Hi everyone, welcome to Eclipse to Heroes Podcast. My name is Keisha. And I'm Rachel. And we are two old school fangirls who are rewatching the show and defending its honor. This week we are discussing season one, episode 18, Parasite. Rachel, did you know that Parasite had a slightly different title before it went to air? I did not. <laughs> um, I just, I found this when I was doing some initial research on the episode. It was originally called Like Any Parasite. Mm. It's a fun fact for you. And then before it went to air, they shortened it to just Parasite. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, do we do we have any new business or old business or news for this week? No, there was no panel this week for anything, so. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> no, I don't think there was any heroes related gossip. Our, our fandom goes back to the to the dust. <laughs> oh, back to the grave. Right. Um, <laughs> cool. So let's just dive right on in, I guess. Let's then. do this. Uh, this episode is fun because there's almost every character, I think, and there's not a lot of fluff. Uh, everything that happens is something we've either been waiting for or it's just a good interaction to see go down. A lot of big stuff happens in this episode. So let's see. Let's let's uh, let's go right back from not last week's cliffhanger, but the cliffhanger before pre-company man, wherein Isaac accidentally shot and killed Simone. Aww. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she's she's super dead. Like they, they, there's there's no miracle for her. She's she's dead. She gone. Goodbye, Simone. And so. Isaac's all distraught, and Peter's all distraught, and Peter's holding her in his arms as she dies. And the first thing Isaac says is he gets angry at Peter, and he's like, Ah, it was supposed to be you! Like, damn, dude. (laughs) It's a little harsh, wouldn't you say? And not only does he say that, he follows up by actually continuing to fire the gun at Peter until Peter goes invisible and escapes, because it's his new favorite power to use. Yes. It's a... That's a choice. That's a way to grieve, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> watching the episode again, I was like, Peter doesn't seem like he cares that much that Simone's dead. Pete, you know, Peter's got a lot of things that he's got to deal mm-hmm. with. He also was a hospice nurse. I guess he has to deal with death on like a daily basis before. That's true. He wouldn't have quite the same reaction because he's trained for it. And I'm sure, like, he's got it compartmentalized right now where he can... We'll get that point where he can break apart later, but can't be right now. Yeah, that's fair. I was just like, oh, he doesn't seem that broken up about it, but... Plus, I would argue, remember how we argued at that episode that, like, he had sort of channeled Siler and Claude. Mm. And so he's kind of holding their emotions, whereas Claude probably would be fairly flippant about the whole thing as well. Yeah, they're not the warmest of individuals for him to have in the forefront of his mind. No. Yeah, that's what happens in the loft at the beginning of the episode, but we don't get to spend too terribly much time there because we're going to go right back over to the consequences from last week's episode. (laughs) Uh, If you recall, everything went to hell in Texas in a handbasket. Ted basically blew up the Bennett household. Ted and Matt are both in company custody. And Bennett had to create a scenario with the Haitian wherein it looks like the Haitian went rogue and took Claire and his memories of the situation as well. So when we see Bennett, he's talking with Thompson and they're discussing the situation. And that's exactly what, you know, Thompson's saying. He's like, oh, Haitian gone rogue and... And then, you know, oh, Claire's just missing and endangered and we gotta find her and we're gonna find her. And Bennett wants to be part of that, obviously, because he's very up in arms about her being in peril. Like, she's my daughter. And I love how Thompson's just like, no, dude, she's an assignment. That's all she is. You need to stop with that. Now that they know what she can do, that she's manifested, it's just game on with that. So Bennett is just in a state because his memories have been taken of to, to a point. But he's also struggling with wanting to be a good little company man to keep the rest of his family safe. But he's really turning against the company, too. And we're going we're gonna to start to see a lot more of that. Because they just they expect him to do what he's told. They expect him to follow orders and do not question matters. And obviously that's not how that's going to go down. 
So Thompson questions him a bit, and then he leaves. And we see that Parkman's actually in the next room. And they've been treating him as sort of like a human lie detector during this. Trying to see if Bennett was on the up and up when he was talking to Thompson. And as far as Matt knows, yeah, he wasn't lying. And so we get to see the little moment of like, oh no, Matt's Matt's going to have some trouble. Because he's like strapped to a chair <laughs> in company custody. Being used like a literal tool and not, you know, having any personhood whatsoever. So he gives him the read and uh, Candace and Thompson are in the room with him and then they start to leave. And he's like, hey, you said you'd let me go. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll think about it. And they just, they abandon him. That's all we see of Matt in this episode. <laughs> he gets one scene and that's the scene. And uh, yeah, we get to see more of Candace. Candace is a treat. I, I enjoy Candace very much. I'm forever sad that Missy Peregrim didn't get to come back in season two. I yes. really wanted to see what that would have looked like. But, you know, actors get busy with things, especially when they're just doing guest star bits. So anyway... Um, we go back, it's a lot of back and forth. We go with Bennett to the hotel room where the family is staying. Uh, the lie that they're uh, operating under is that there was a flood in the basement and that's why they're staying there and that's why the house is fucked. Um, which, you know, that's not a bad lie. It's like a gas leak, you know, it's, it's easy to, easy to explain away. And Bennett is packing up because, you know, he's going on assignment again and he's, he's taking a trip and Sandra takes him. And they go aside and she turn, you know, they turn on the water, which is like that classic, if someone's listening, they can't hear us because running water gag, which, which uh, I love. Guess what? She doesn't uh, have total amnesia of the event. They have a situation worked out where Bennett set up some uh, fail safes, if you will. You know, he, he wrote a note that says like, Claire's with friends, don't go after her. She's like, don't worry, I know how to play dumb. So Sandra hasn't actually been, like, completely mind-excavated, which is an exciting place to see her in. And they have, like, the sweetest moment where Sandra's basically like, yeah, I'm on your side, and I'll help you. I can play dumb. We're going to get through this. We're going to get her back. And he says, I could never love you enough. Ugh. (laughs) It's so sweet, and it's so sad if you know where the relationship ends up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they get interrupted because Candace shows up at the hotel room and she tells Bennett that, hey, guess what? The painter, Isaac, he might have killed. He, he killed Simone. Whoops. So they need to deal with that. And Sandra comes out, you know, she's like, oh, let me guess another paper emergency. Like just, you know, she knows what to say. And, and Candace, you know, runs some bullshit about some sort of like supply order error. And it's funny because Candace is so creepy with Sandra. Like <laughs> she just like looks her up and down, just really stares at her, takes her in and just kind of, she doesn't like taunt her or mock her, but you can tell she's not a sincere person. She's kind of got that, like, I don't know, emotional apathy that the company instills in people, <laughs> uh, especially company girls. We mm-hmm. see a lot of that. It's like the Eden thing. And later on you'll see it in other characters. So, you know, we're just, we're, we're doing that thing where we're going to just, to stay on one storyline, we're just going to go back and forth in that story. This isn't necessarily the chronological order of the show, but this is just to focus on our characters that we're talking about. Because back at the loft, Isaac is there, and holy shit, the cops show up. Somebody called because they heard loud voices and gunshots, and they thought maybe Simone might be hurt. And, oh, but it's cool, though, because Simone's there. She's alive and well. <laughs> Everything's peachy keen. And so cops are like, whoops, sorry. You know, tips their little cap. Like, you know, have a good day, sir. And they leave. And obviously it's not Simone. It's it's Candace who has her very, very useful power that she can do illusion. She's not a shapeshifter. She can do illusion. It's very different. They're very differently presented everything gets all wiggly wobbly around her she can bend light essentially to make you see whatever she wants to see and so candace is there and bennett's there and bennett's like oh you're very useful <laughs> just like <laughs> his little lines that he says about uh oh, the people he works with it's a delight and he tells isaac that the story is that simone's traveling europe indefinitely <laughs> that's 
That's what's happened to her. And they'll bring someone around to clean up the mess and also the body, and they will deal with it. And Bennett just tells Isaac, hey, you just need to keep on painting, you know? That's what you're going to do to get through this. And they leave. Well, <laughs> they don't leave before Candace is a total bitch. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Where she does the Simone illusion again, but this time it's, like, shot to hell. And she's just like, ooh, are you going to shoot me again? Like, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Damage company, girls. Cuddle of them. <laughs> do you remember that little whole, oh, you're going to shoot me again, was in the, the trailer this episode before it i know it's such a choice right it's yeah. so weird like oh is simone not dead no she's dead guys yeah what's going on yeah so yeah uh isaac he i i know he's grieving and he's going through it but he just got off the heroin you know like <laughs> he just got off it <laughs> and there he is going back to it, but he's painting a lot. He's painting a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the same thing over and over and over again in different perspectives and different panels, which is his own death, his own demise over and over and over again. His own very Silerific death. It's clearly a Siler death. It's never been more clear. Uh, yeah, so that's where we leave Isaac. He's in a great place. Um, <laughs> he's doing well. Um, no, uh, and then we go back to Bennett and Sandra in the hotel room again. And they're talking about their situation and, oh, we got to pretend we don't know. And the company's got to be stopped for good. Oh, yeah, it turns out Bennett's full on fuck you company, which is exciting. And it's going to lead him to interesting places. And he kisses her because he's just, he's so stoked he can talk to her on this level. It's what he's always wanted, I think, ultimately, is to be able to not keep these secrets from her and have her kind of be part of this to support him. And he, he doesn't like lying to his wife. He loves her. That's the thing about this relationship. They, they really do care about each other. But then, <laughs> but then you hear her phone and it's not the doggy ringtone from earlier. It's just like a regular, like, do, do, do. And she talks and she's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to be a problem. Going to have to take care of it. Oops, it's it's not it's not your wife. It's fucking Candace. <laughs> she has a very auspicious episode this week. She's everywhere. She's doing everything. She does, yeah. Because she has a cool power. It's, it's one of the coolest ones. One of the best ones, I would argue. So, yeah, Candace... Candace screwed him over, Bennett's busted, and we will see the consequences of that to come. But do you have any thoughts about about this whole storyline? With Candace, you get to see her backstory before the company pulls her in in the comics. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I wouldn't even say it was the company indoctrination that gives her this kind of attitude. This is just, this has always been Candace. She's just a damaged young person. Yes. And I, I do emphasize young person. Yes. She's not what she seems, even when she presents as somewhat uh, in her normal form. That's not that's not her either. No, 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 no. Which is interesting. I remember at the time people were like, well, "That's dumb. That's <laughs> and, and borderline and borderline offensive." But I I got it. I understood it. Like it made sense to me why Candace does that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. But it makes sense if you look at how she acts and you look at how she dresses and stuff. Like, it really makes sense if you learn about her origin and what she really is like. Yeah, because she's a fresh pull. That's why, you know, Bennett gets his dudes all like, oh, that's cool. That's a nifty trick, you know? Mm-hmm. Because yep. she's new to the company. So that's that's pretty much where things sit with Bennett. He's super busted. His family arguably in danger again because he's trying to go against the company or maybe it'll just be him. But we'll find out. What we need to know, though, is the thing that the Bennett household doesn't know right now, which is, where is Claire? What's she up to? What's she doing? Rachel, do you want to fill us in? Well, Claire and the Haitian are on a road trip, much like Mohinder and Siler were. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're pulled over at a rest stop somewhere, somewhat deserty looking. And uh, the Haitian goes and makes a phone call in French and kind of get some information. But, uh, <laughs> Claire is like, you know, when am I going to go back to see my family? And he's like, do you want me to lie to you and say it will be soon? <laughs> like he's very sassy with her right now, just because Claire is like, she can't quite comprehend what she's fully into. She needs to chill. He's like, you know, you don't understand the level of sacrifice your father just did for you. 
And if they do get a hold of you, what they will do to you, you will not recover from. So, you know, they'll probably try to rip you apart, Claire, because of your ability. And so he tells her that they're going to leave the country tonight. We then go and join them at an airport where she is now Vivian Lewis from Canada. And she really is like, ugh, I don't want to go. And if I'm going to go, you should let me go to someone who I know, like Peter. Which is like, Claire, what? <laughs> you met Peter like one time. <laughs> Girl chill <laughs> and honestly <laughs> the Haitian's like no you can't go to Peter he's not in a good place right now to handle himself let alone you he's not in a position to be responsible as we've seen earlier in yeah. Isaac's Loft he's not in a position to be responsible for anyone so they go through security and Claire goes through and then the Haitian tries to go through but he can't find his passport and boarding pass oops because Claire apparently is really good at picking pockets <laughs> She, oh, right? Yeah, she kind of gives him the slip there at the airport so she can do what she wants. Which, <laughs> I mean, I guess she could book another ticket from behind security. I don't know how that airport is set up, but, you know. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, to figure out how that went down, you know? Because whatever, however she did it, she ends up in New York. She ends up at Peter's apartment, which, how do you know where Peter lived? I guess she did a lot of internet digging. <laughs> Looks up Peter Petrelli. But anyway, she found Peter's apartment. He might just be in the yellow pages because he's so, like, down to earth, you know? <laughs> he's the cool member of the rich family. <laughs> Which, if she typed in Peter Petrelli, I'm sure she would have seen a picture of the more more um, well-known brother, Nathan, and be like, holy shit, that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's that fucking guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I threw a rock at his car. Oh, yeah. I th- oh, my God. That's him. He didn't want to see me. Fuck. Anyway. So Claire's at Peter's apartment. And she knocks on the door and someone opens it and she's like, oh, do I have the right place? Uh, is Peter there? And it's Angela at the door. And she's like, Peter's not here, but you can come inside Claire. Oh. And as soon as Claire <laughs> walks in, she shuts the door. She, uh, Angela starts speaking French and the Haitian comes walking out from behind um, another place in Peter's apartment. And... <laughs> um. So it was revealed that the Haitian was talking to Angela on the phone. And Claire's kind of like, whoa, uh, who are you? And she drops the bomb that she is her grandmother. And that she has been trying to protect her this whole time. And Claire has not been making it easy because she is stubborn like her father. (laughs) So this is the person that the Haitian has been answering to. Who has a bigger place in Claire's life than HRG does. Been working for Angela. Fucking, it's like the thing we were just talking about last week about puppet mastering. Mm-hmm. Now you shouldn't trust the parents of these people. No, no, no. Angela is so deep in the company oh and my in God, all this. She's so deep. Angela's so a great connected. character. She is. I love her. Yes. A character Big who you fan. think isn't going to be anything from, like, the little she's in in, like, the first episode of Stealing Socks, and then she just evolves into this whole thing. She's absolutely, yeah, yeah. She's definitely more than meets the eye, for sure. She's a delight. Delight and a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so, Claire didn't have very much in this episode. It was mostly her being like, ooh, <laughs> being kind of sneaky. Yep. yep. And getting her to where she needed to be, which is New York. So, let's talk about Claire's biological father, <laughs> Nathan. And oh, yeah, let's, because he has a lot to fucking do this episode. Yes, this is quite the Nathan episode. So, let's hop to it. We join Nathan in his office, where he gets a wonderful knock on his door from the FBI. And they kind of storm in and are, like, checking the room for bugs and are, like, yelling at him, do you have illegal campaign contributions? That's what we're here for. Making a big stink. <laughs> and... Then they close the door and it's like, all right, there's no bugs. And they drop the whole pretense. And we find out that he has been working with the FBI. Oh, shit. And um, I don't remember, again, what the FBI's names were, but uh, I know there's something to do with them. What was that, Keisha? Okay, so the FBI agents are a fun Easter egg for you comic book nerds out there. Uh, Their names are Agents Caseda and Alonzo. Uh, Joe Caseta and Axel Alonso were both uh, editors-in-chief at Marvel Comics, one right after the other. 
And, and that's your, your fun little tidbit, is they chose to name them after comic book people. Because this show is staffed by nerds. Yes. If you haven't figured that out already, pay more attention to like the people that they get for stuff. So, Nathan's been working with the FBI to bring Linderman in. If you remember in, uh, what was it, four months ago? Or four? Yeah. Four months ago? No, no, well... Six months ago? Six six months ago. Anyway. <laughs> it was six months ago. Yeah, because I think four months ago was like... That's in season two. Season two, yeah, okay. So anyway, six yeah. months ago. As soon as I said that, I'm like, I don't feel like this is the right episode. But all right. No, no, yeah. It is, because that's when he says he's going to do it, and then when he doesn't, and Peter loses all respect for him. Yes. It's when their, like, yeah. father ends up dying, and he gets in the car accident, and... Accident, said, quote, quote? Yeah, accident. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the FBI put on that whole song and dance so that people wouldn't be suspicious of Nathan and FBI dropping in. Even though it was very explicit that they weren't supposed to ever come and meet him in person. But they do what they want to do, I guess. And they want him to wear a wire when he goes to meet Mr. Linderman tonight in Vegas. Bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. And he's like, ugh. <laughs> As Keisha just said, bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. It never ends well in anything. No. And... He, I think he agrees in the office that he will, and they, it gets them to leave. So they leave the office, and uh, (laughs) they weren't as alone as they thought they were because Peter was in the office the whole time. This drama llama with his fucking power. (laughs) Pulling a clod. And he's like, how long have you been working with the FBI, Nathan? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he's been working with the FBI since after Heidi's accident, as we were just talking about a minute ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter's kind of, like, upset, and he's got blood on him, and oh, he yeah. tells Nathan about Simone, that Simone's dead, and Nathan's like, oh, did you call the police? And he said no. So Nathan goes, you know, full big brother, and he's like, don't worry, Peter, I'll call the police, I'll leave an anonymous phone call, we'll have them go to the loft and take care of it, which, <laughs> that's who calls the police, and that's why they showed up at Isaac's loft. I mean... Ever the big brother, ever the lawyer. Yes. Yes. Like, don't say, don't worry about it. It's going to be, he'll handle it. It's not time for you to be noble. And then Peter's like, yeah, but I got to go anyway. And Nathan's like, no, 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 you you need to stay. (laughs) They've been trying to get him to stay in that other episode too. Need to stay. (laughs) We'll call Suresh. He's working on a cure. And Peter's like, what if they don't even get that in time? What if I don't have time for him to work on this? And as they're, like, having a little argument about Peter staying, Nathan gets a knock on his door from an assistant saying that his car is here. So when he turns to tell him to wait and turns back, Peter is gone. Drama. He just uses his power and vanishes (laughs) and walks off again, leaving Nathan alone in the office. He pulls a total, like, Batman and Jim Gordon. Yes, he's just pushed by. So Nathan heads down to Vegas. And... Guess who he meets in Vegas? He meets Hero, who hey. is dejected and waiting on um, outside the casino because earlier he tried to go in the casino with a group of Osaka tourists, but he had been flagged, so security stopped him. And he even told security, I've got delivered from Mr. Linderman. They're like, no, you don't. Get the hell out. You've been flagged <laughs> for being a cheater. Be gone. <laughs> be, be lucky that we're just throwing you out. Yeah, like, mm, count This your is a fucking mob right casino. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Count your blessings. So, Hero immediately tries to go flying, man, but he's like, stops him like, Jesus Christ, Hero. <laughs> <laughs> Not here. Oh, I love it. And, um, so they, they walk inside, and he asks where Ando is, and Hero says that, you know, I sent him back to Japan, things are getting dangerous, and Nathan agrees that, you know what, you can't protect everyone. You try to protect them all, and you can't protect everyone. And so Hero's like, well... I need your help. Can you help me get past security? Because they won't, um, they won't let me up there. And he says, sure, no problem. And then Hero, like, gets to the heart of Nathan, being like, you know, you you know what, Nathan, you pretend you do not care about anyone, but you care too much. He's got that hard exterior. Again, he hits the Nathan nail on the head where he cares too much. Oh, yep. So he and Nathan go up the escalators, and security tries to stop Hero again, and Nathan's like, yeah, um... I sent this man to send a delivery to Mr. Linderman and <laughs> you know who he gets when he doesn't get his deliveries and they're like, Oh shit, we didn't know. We didn't know. So they let here right on through. 
I love whenever Nathan gets to throw his privilege around. It's a delight. They're like, oh, we're sorry, Mr. Petrelli. We didn't realize, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, has <laughs> pretty much like Kira going through security. <laughs> oh, we'll leave those two there. They're at the casino. And we'll go, <laughs> we'll go check in on our favorite character. <laughs> uh, Jessica and Micah are at home playing a video game. And of course, it, Micah thinks it's Nikki. But I feel like there's a lot of tells in this scene that it's not. That hopefully you would think Micah would pick up on, but, you know. Like, the fact that she's actually good at the video game? <laughs> she's good at the video game that they're playing. Because, yeah, they're playing a video game which was um, Heavenly Sword on the PlayStation 3. And I, it was kind of a deal at the time because it was like the episode aired four months before the game released. I mean, I don't hear about it much anymore and I've never played it, so I can't speak to what kind of a game it is, but there you go. And Micah's like, oh, I'll be late for class. I gotta go. And she's like, oh, who needs class? You know everything, you know more than they do anyway. You can just stay here. <laughs> I feel like that's a red flag too, you know? Me too. Like, I think Nikki would have said it like, yeah, I mean, you know, you know more than than them anyway, but you should get going. Whereas Jessica's like, School's who cares? important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Micah leaves. And Jessica's all cocky, like, you have to admit, Nikki, I do better you than you as she's looking in the mirror. <laughs> and right then, Deal walks in the room, holding up Nathan's photo, like, who the hell is this? She's like, oh my god, are you digging through my stuff? And he's like, it was on my pillow. <laughs> and he asks her what she's going to be doing at the casino. And, like, um, she's like, oh, don't worry about it. Linderman called and asked me to be a dealer. I won't do anything that I don't want to do. And it's pretty clear that DL knows something is wrong. He's not, like, letting his hand slide to uh, Jessica, but... We, the audience, know he knows something isn't right. <laughs> the, the little look he gives when he walks away. Yes. Mm, yeah. Uh, and after he leaves the room, Jessica looks in the mirror and it's like, you left that on the pillow, didn't you? And so, yeah, <laughs> Nikki left the photo there for him to find. So Jessica does not have the control that she thinks she has. Which is a new thing. Yes. Nikki being able to take control from Jessica for a change and fuck her shit up. Mm-hmm. Gotta watch your back. <laughs> so we'll go back to the casino, and Hero has made it into Linderman's gallery. And we get to see all the, the art that's in there. And there's a whole lot of Isaac art. And there's art we haven't seen, I believe, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't think we ever saw the Claire cut open one before, did we? I don't think so, no. No, there's a painting with Claire, like, the autopsy with her cut open, and there is a painting of Peter, like, floating in the air. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if there's any other one that we saw specifically that came to mind. Do you I'll remember? have to take another look at it and, like... I remember see. those two specifically, and we see he's got a lot of other artifacts and stuff in there, mm-hmm. and we see that the curator is in... <laughs> is in there working on a table, putting together something old... And Hero just, like, strolls on up and is ready to drop the painting onto it. And Fuck. he stops him and he's like, oh, there's only so many Dead Sea Scrolls in the world. <laughs> it would be a shame if something happened to them right now. Oh. And he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, this is the delivery. It's the painting Mr. Linus worked for. And he's like, oh, the new Mendez. And he pulls it out and looks at it and he's like, this painting has been ripped <laughs> and repaired with scotch tape. And, <laughs> oh, my God. I could go into... <laughs> How you're never supposed to use scotch tape to repair or try to restore anything. And (laughs) (laughs) like, I I would bring my sister in right now and she would go off (laughs) on like how many patrons came in with like, oh, we look, we repaired the book with scotch tape. And she's like, I'm going to murder you physically right now. Are you serious? They're like, like they'll rip the book and they'll like put their own tape on it. It's like, just tell me it's ripped because I can repair it with my tools here and not scotch tape. Oh my God. So when he said her, the scotch her tape, sister works at a library, so yes. Yeah. So when he said scotch tape, it's like oof. <laughs> you shuddered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's it's it makes sense. Hero doesn't know anything about it, but like, yeah, I was like, I felt it. Like I felt the curator being like Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I, I I'm just thinking of all the things that scotch tape would do to a book, and I I, I see it now. That would be horrible. There are special um, stuff that you can use to repair it. You know, and if it's that bad, they'll just end up, you know, recycling it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's a, And That's most of the times it's not that bad of a thing. And it's like, you know, you're just making more work for me. <laughs> <laughs> but. Shit. Yeah. I digress. So, <laughs> Hero asks for a receipt because he delivered it. And uh, <laughs> that gets the curator to leave to go, you know, give him a receipt. 
that is my favorite thing that the guy's like, well, yes, of course. And just goes and does it. I was like, that means everybody asks for a receipt when they drop something off. Like, they're all like, I'm sure they're, you know, bringing very expensive paintings. Oh, sure. I just thought it was great that he had a system set up for that. And he's like, ah. Oh, yeah, you know, he's got it. He'll have his signature on it that can be like, look, we delivered it and stuff. So. Mm. Can I digress uh, briefly? Go for it. The curator is a special guest star as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Ian Gomez, everybody. Yep, yep, yep. Um, many people would know him. I know him most from Cougar Town and various guest stars on things. Uh, but people at the time would have known him as uh, Greg Grunberg's cast member, formerly of Felicity. Mm, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Fun, fun little guest star for this week. Mm-hmm. Do go on. At the time, I recognized him from something. I don't remember what it was. Like, I want to say, like, the Drew he, Carey show he was on. He was on the Drew Carey show as well. That's mm-hmm. probably where I, like, knew him from. Yeah. So, but yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, another delightful guest cast member. Ah, oh, so good with the guest stars. So, here I'll use this, um, uses this distraction to get on the curious computer and types in sword kensei. <laughs> yep. And it runs through the various collection and finds the sword and then pops the drawer open where the sword is. And he's like, yes. So he grabs the ladder and he pulls it over to the stop. And as he climbs up and gets ready to grab the sword when the curator is behind him. And he's like, there are 700 members of security that will drop everything once I push this button. (laughs) And he pushes the button and we hear an alarm go off. Oh, shit. And so we hear a security member come in and he's like, so get rid of this man. And instead of that, the curator gets knocked out because the security member is Ando. Yay! Ando didn't leave. Ando stuck around. He's been following Hero because he knew that Hero was going to trip off an alarm somewhere. <laughs> and Hero's like, yay, but what about the other 700 members of security? <laughs> <laughs> so they go and they push the um, curator's desk in front of the door kind of blocking it for now so we'll step away from them for a moment and we see that the fbi is up in a room listening to (laughs) nathan's conversation nathan is fully wired and they're like i wonder what he's doing maybe he'll go help another (laughs) japanese tourist (laughs) so as they're kind of joking around a little bit jessica kind of opens the door and holds them both at gunpoint like oh mr linderman sends his regards and (laughs) She tells them to drop their guns, which they comply with, and to get on their knees. And she's like, oh, it's so much better working with professionals. And then she kills them both anyway. Super murdery, yep. Super murdery. So we then see Nathan is in his room, because that's where he decided to go before he met with Mr. Linderman. And, oh, guess who showed up there next? It's Jessica. Except she comes up to him and yanks the wire out. Like, what do you think you're doing? Wearing a wire. And we realize it's not Jessica right now, it is Nikki. Oh, my. And he's like, what are you doing? The FBI is listening. And she's like, no, they're dead. She killed them. They're dead. And you're going to be dead because Linderman knows that you turned on him. And so Nikki tells Nathan that Linderman is going to offer him a deal and he needs to take it. That's his one way he's going to live. He's got to take the deal that she's going to offer him. And uh, he's, she's like, there's no other option. And Nathan's like, well, I could kill him. That's another option. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Nikki's like, well, you have to knock me out. You have to knock me out so Jessica knows she's not in control anymore. And he, he's reluctant to do so. And then she's got the gun. She's like, well, if you want this gun, you have to knock me out to take it. And so he just knocks her out. <laughs> and he takes the gun from her. He punches the ever-loving fuck out of her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, good job, Nathan. <laughs> you punched that woman so good. <laughs> oh, man. It's what Nikki wanted, to be fair. I know, but the the way they shoot it, it's just like, boom! I know, right? <laughs> so we'll go back to uh, Hero real quick. And he got the sword, and <laughs> the rest of security is kind of pounding on the um, the door. <laughs> and I was like, you gotta leave, you know, you got the sword, I'll be fine. And Hero's like, no, we're both gonna go, we're both gonna leave. And this is the first time Hero's ever tried to take more than one person with him. True. And so he holds uh, Andal's shoulder, he does his little squint, and they both teleport out. And they teleport onto the DeVoe rooftop. But it's not the present DeVoe rooftop, they're in the future. In a destroyed New York. Much like the painting that we saw Isaac make of the destroyed New York off the rooftop. Yay! And... We see Hero be very crestfallen, and it's like, the bomb, we didn't stop it. I failed. We're going to have some more fun in this future New York in a couple episodes, so. I'm not excited at all. 
so. look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. But oh. we'll go back to Nathan again. And I had completely forgot that this was the first time that Nathan and Linderman met. That I I had remembered. <laughs> I remembered the scene from the next episode. Same. Like I completely spaced on this, and I was watching it. Like oh, I remember now. <laughs> how how could we forget this? It is the best introduction. I don't know. I don't know. Oh my god. Okay. So he go. He thinks he's going to be taken to Linderman's office, but they're like, "No, Linderman's going to meet you somewhere else." And he takes him. He's taken to the kitchen where we see a man with his back turned cooking and a whole bunch of other chefs around him. And we finally get the reveal of who Linderman is. And Linderman is played by Malcolm McDowell, who is our other, another big guest star. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Clockwork Orange, Halloween. Yes. So I was like, ooh. And he's saying like, you know, some people do other things to relax. I like to cook. (laughs) And as he's talking to Nathan, the rest of the staff quietly leave. So it's just him and Nathan in that part of the kitchen. And he asks Nathan if he likes vegetables and (laughs) he gets the great line, you know, I eat zucchini when the mood strikes, but not as a rule. (laughs) <laughs> and um, so Mr. Linderman likes to cook for his meditation and he's making a pot pie, which is healthy and delicious <laughs> if you don't have any sauce. But, you know, what's the point if you don't have any sauce in it? Here, <laughs> here. What's the point without the cream sauce? And Mr. Linderman's like, you know, I think most people like to eat when they're happy. Are you happy, Nathan? And uh, Nathan's like, not particularly, no. And he's like, a man has to ask himself if he wants a life of happiness or a life of meaning. Because to live a life of happiness, you have to live only in the present. You can't think of the past or the future. And a life of meaning means you have to dwell in the past and dwell in the future. And (laughs) uh, Nathan then pulls the gun out and holds it. And Mr. Lindemann sees it and is like, well, now you can't have any of my pot pie. (laughs) Uh, So good. (laughs) That line reading is amazing. It is. (laughs) And he's like, well, you know, I won't hold it against you, Nathan. Lots of men have tried to kill me. And I'm just here like, ooh, what men have tried to kill you? (laughs) (laughs) I need names? (laughs) This is beyond the whole, like, oh, I'm a bad, you know, mobster boss man. Oh, it's far beyond that. What other men have tried to kill you, Linderman? Hmm, I wonder if we'll find out. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, well, Nathan, you know, you pull that trigger, you'll be taking both of our lives. Because you'll be dead within moments after you shoot me. Mm-hmm. Or I could offer you something. Here comes the deal that, you know, Nikki said Linderman was going to offer. Linderman also reveals that he knows that Nathan can fly and knows about Peter. He knows that Peter is dangerous. And he also knows about his daughter. So again, Linderman knows a lot. Oh, all these, all these connected adults. Hmm. And he's like, I can offer you more than just information. But here's a little tease. You will win the election. I will see to it. And in two years, you will, through a series of fluke circumstances, find yourself in the White House and a heartbeat away from the presidency. So, you know, you want to listen to me more, you can. And he turns around and goes back to cooking, just leaving his back to Nathan. Nathan could shoot him right now. And instead, Nathan puts the gun down. Oh, yep. So we'll have to tune in next time to see what their the deal is or what Linderman wants from him. Let me, let me, let me fucking, let me take a minute here. Go for it. And kick up my shoes and tell you all about the, the strength of writing in this episode for Nathan. Mm-hmm. Regarding both the speech that Hero gives him and this moment right here where I feel like Nathan is always the guy who will pull a gun. He's never the guy who will shoot the gun. That is never. true. Never. And it's got nothing to do necessarily with like, oh, he doesn't have the nerve or whatever. He just, he's such a presentational character. And he knows that holding the gun in this instance is a good thing because Daniel Linderman is a bad man. But when it comes down to it, he's never going to pull the trigger. He's never going to do that to himself. He's never going to do that to his family. And God damn it, if his ambition isn't going to get him to slide so many of his morals aside, what little he has left. Ugh, it's just so well done. Props props to uh, Chris Zada, who wrote this episode. He really gets Nathan, I feel. Also, uh, the introduction of Malcolm McDowell is fucking amazing as Linderman. Because uh, all season long, all we've heard about is the big bad mob boss in Vegas. 
And when we first meet him, he's in an apron making a pot pie. Like, it's just, like, this episode's not called Unexpected, and it should be. Yeah. That is the most, like, the greatest little, like, subversive twist on introducing a character like this, who is so dangerous and so powerful, he doesn't have to posture about it. That's truly terrifying. Mm-hmm. He's calm as a cucumber, babe, because he knows... He knows how things are going to work out. He he knows that everything goes according to his plan always. That's scary, man. That's like that goes beyond like like I don't know, free will and destiny and shit. That's just like this guy knows all the angles and he knows how to make things happen and there's nothing anyone can do about it. So it would seem. It does seem that way. Mhm. Yeah. Linderman's yeah. a great character. We get more of him. <sighs> he is. Coming up. He really fucking is. Yeah, you said this episode should have been unexpected. <laughs> it should have been. And, yeah. But instead... A it's lot par- of that going around. Yes. Instead, it's yeah. Parasite, which really had nothing to do with the <laughs> whole first part of the episode that we've been talking about. Instead, Parasite has to do with the two characters we haven't <laughs> mentioned yet. Because as we said, pretty much everyone's in this episode. Even Matt, who got his two seconds of uh, screen time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why don't we talk about the two characters that we did a whole episode on by themselves. <laughs> Keisha, what's up with Siler Mohinder? Oh boy, will I tell you what's up with these two crazy kids. Oh god, where where do I begin? Where do I begin? I mean, it's hard to make friends, even as an adult. Especially as an adult, really. And I say it's something that a lot of us struggle with, and it's certainly something that that, you know, Gabriel slash Siler has struggled with. And there's a very special thing involved when you think you found someone who finally understands you, you know? And they finally get you. Maybe not for you, because you're pretending to be a dead man. But close enough, right? <laughs> You've got some of the same goals and ideas. But, you know, life's a little more complicated than that. And we find that out when we first see the boys. They're in Mohinder's apartment. Siler is holding the list. Mohinder's gonna run Zane's DNA into his little program. And then he's gonna take him someplace safe. Because, ooh, Siler's on the run. On the loose. He's out there! Right. So, (laughs) Siler comes up, and he's just like, Ugh, Mohinder, you've been working, like, nonstop. You drove all night. You didn't sleep. This is, this is insane, you know? You need, you need to rest, man. You gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. You know, like, a real bud, a real friend <laughs> is concerned about somebody who's just been pushing themselves a little hard, burning the candle at both ends, we might say. So, Siler gratefully offers. He's like, hey, man, I'll take this next name right here. Uh, who's this? Uh, 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 Isaac Mendez. I'll call him. You can just take a break. It's okay, bud. I got this. <laughs> and if you've seen this episode, like, even once before, you can just watch Mohinder the entire time and just know that he fucking knows <laughs> at this point. <laughs> he knows, and he just has to decide when exactly he's going to pull the rug, because the rug is about to be pulled. But until then, he, he goes off, and, you know, he's like, all right. And so, <laughs> Siler tries to call Isaac. And Mohinder goes to get some tea because the tea whistles. And Siler's like, it's great, man. We just, we need a little hope. And Mohinder has the great line where he's like, hope is great. We need caffeine. That is, that's classic. So he goes to get the tea. And, you know, it's so funny because tea is the absolute centerpiece of all of their deceit. (laughs) Starting (laughs) with the Zane Taylor apartment scene where he rushed to get the whistling tea kettle and, you know, grabbed the DNA sample from the corpse of Zane Taylor. And then now Mohinder is going to get a very special cup of tea as well. But Siler calls Isaac. Oh, the line's busy. I'll get him later. Wink. Uh, <laughs> I just, I love that line. Oh, it's busy. I'll get him later. <laughs> Fucking show knows what it's going to do. Anyway, so Mohinder comes back out and they've each got a cup of tea and he's like, to new friends, is what Siler says. He says to new friends. <laughs> Rachel, he just wants a friend. He just wants someone to understand, you know? And he has a sip. He's like, hmm, this is good. What is this? And he's like, oh, it's chai. And yes, chai is very delicious. 
I think we all started drinking it if we hadn't been already yeah, after this episode because we're insane. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so he takes a couple sips. He's like, hmm, who are we going to call next? And Mohinder just drops the bomb. He's like, nobody. I already have you, Mr. Siler. I love, I love, it's so, um, that's how, uh, that's how Chandra said it on the phone to him too, Mr. Mm-hmm. Siler. It's so formal. I love it. And instantly everything gets wavy and fucking Siler drops the teacup and it, and it shatters, you know, like the fragility of their friendship <laughs> and, <laughs> and he goes down cause tall guys, they go down hard. Um, so he, he's out. He, he passes out in a very not graceful manner. Um, and when we get back to them, Siler is taped to a chair with a motherfucking IV drip in his arm because Mohinder's not playing around. He just full on turns the tables on him. And Siler just goes full on like, Mohinder, what are you doing? What is this? And Mohinder's not down to play at all. He has the newspaper. He's like, Zane was killed three days ago, you lying son of a bitch. <laughs> like, pretty much. He doesn't say that. I'd say that. But, um, it's so great. Um, newspapers are going to prove to be the greatest foible to the mighty Siler. <laughs> like, he, he will ever come up against because this happens and then something in season two happens that ruins his cover with another group of people. Oh my god. Or would have... Anyway, um, so, except for murder, anyway, he goes full on against Siler. He calls him a parasite. He said, you killed my father. You fed off his work. You're, you know, you're a monster, yada, yada. And he has a tuning fork and he uses it against him, which is brutal because he knows that Siler killed Dale Smither and can't control the hearing thing. Ya bitch. Um, so, so he's torturing him and he's just like, say it, say it. What's your name? And he's like, Siler. And he fucking does it, right? And it's just, oh, it's so great. He just, he goes full crazy at this point. He loses his chill entirely because friendship over. And he goes and he tries to twist the tables back against Mahindra. He's like, you're just like your father. Murderers the both of you. And, and they just, they, they have this incredible back and forth. And it's part of why we did a solo episode on them, just because not only do we enjoy them as a ship and as characters, but they have some of the best scenes when they're allowed to have them. Because they they do have great back and forth. Um, he knows how to pick, like, a scab at Mohinder's insecurities. He's like, you know, your father was ashamed of you. He was disappointed in you. He loved me. He told me things he felt he could never tell you. He told me all about your sister, Shanti. Just goes full on personal. Like, it is just on. And that is the stuff that we've seen Mohinder be insecure about since day one. He knows. He knows how to get at him. And this is when Mohinder is straight up just aiming, not just aiming a gun at him, but allowing it to be pressed into Siler's forehead when Siler leans forward, which is such a power move. It's such a power move, Rachel. <laughs> he has no power in this situation. He is bound. He is drugged. He has curare running through his veins to prevent him from being able to control his powers. That's like a, a high, a high level fucking uh, tranquilizer, by the way. That would take out a normal person. <laughs> but as we all know, Siler's not normal. So, he does this thing where he just leans into the gun and he gets more angry when he talks and he's like, who's the parasite here? You can't, you know, you can't do anything without leaning on your father's research. Just goes full fucking on. And Quinto leans into the gun so hard, it leaves an indent in his forehead. Can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> My God, that's not good prop safety. <laughs> it's not. First of all, second of all, chill the hell out there, Mister Method. Like, uh, we we've uh, we've heard stories about the filming of this episode. They both were really in it. Mm-hmm. Like Sendel and, and and Zachary were were both really hardcore, intense in this scene. As according to people who've been on the set when they were filming, like they they really got into doing this. Uh, <laughs> Oh, bless. And it shows. Mm. It shows. It shows. It has such uh, such weight. It's very memorable. 
yeah, he's like, he gave up on you. He adored me. Just goes full on. And Mahinder's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And he takes the gun and he pulls it away. And he's like, you called you Patient Zero. I guess you're the key to unlocking all the formula secrets. So, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna use you, basically. And he goes over to him with this huge fuck you needle. And Sadler's like, what's that? And he's like, I'm going to take a sample of your spinal fluid. Of your spinal fluid, Rachel. Do you know how much <laughs> that hurts? It hurts really bad. You don't do that to people. <laughs> and he promises him. He gets in close and he whispers it by his ear. How the fuck could you not ship these two? Like, honestly. <laughs> What is that? That's not hetero behavior. And so, like, he whispers by his ear. He's like, it's going to hurt. And he, and he pushes his head down. Like, oh, my God. My God. And he goes, guess what? You might actually do some good before you die. And he jams it right into him. And, okay, you're going to hear me talk a lot about this scream throughout the podcast. Because Zachary Quinto, as an actor, has one of the most, like, Oh God! It's it, it, he has this intense, deep-throated, anguished scream that he just rips with a lot in this in this role, and it still makes my skin just ah like every single time. Like I feel his pain. I feel his pain, Rachel. <laughs> and so, like this is one of the first big instances we see of it. it, it it's going to show up several more times in the show. And it's just like oh, that's how they fade out for the commercial too. Oh God! So we go back. And Mahinder's like, holy shit, these four simple genes, they, they're they the answer to everything. You actually did, like, you actually do have, you got special blood, kid. <laughs> and so he's doing his little research, and Siler's just all like, woe is me in the corner. And he's like, what about me? Don't I deserve to be saved? And Mahinder's just like smirk, like, oh, really? Like, what's this nonsense? You trying this now because the anger didn't work? And he goes over to him and he's like, what would you have me do? And he's like, you know, you can, you can help me. You can give me salvation. And then he just drops it and he's like, give me that damn list so I can sink my teeth in, you know? And it's so great because he's angry, but he's vulnerable too. Like, it's not all crocodile tears. Like, he needs, he needs to be in control. He needs this power in a Haiti fucking can't stand that it... It's not happening for him because he just needs to make people understand, like, he's a natural progression of the species. He's just evolution, man. You think a scientist would understand that. You think his friend would understand that. But, (laughs) (laughs) so, he's like, you know, you're not evolution. You're a murderer. What I'm doing is revenge. This is happening. And I'm fairly certain I have a memory of watching this and screaming, no, when he shot him. Like that. Because I didn't want Siler to be off the show. <laughs> I was very sad, like, right away. Because he does. He fires the gun right at his face, right at his head. And it's like, oh, there goes Siler. Except what? What? What's this? The camera's turning around and Mohinder's looking really fucked. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Um, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure I leapt off my sofa. <laughs> this part, like, just one after the other. I lived with a person at this time. So anyway, um... I jump off the sofa. I'm like, yes! Like, right after, because I have no chill. You've heard it. <laughs> and it, and you see the smoke clears in the air, and the bullet is just hanging in midair. And Siler lets it drop. And it's like, oh, shit! Like, it's going down! And Siler is, I'd say he's amused, but he's also, he's disappointed. He's disappointed. He's just like, I wasn't begging for my life, Mohinder. I was offering you yours. And he immediately, he fucking, he stands up. The tape, you know, comes off. And it's just like, oh, God. Oh, Mohinder, you don't know how screwed you are. He's not going to kill you quick. He sure is not. (laughs) Uh, Not after all this. And he goes, huh, you are your father's son. You were too busy with your whole monologue. You didn't even notice I stopped the IV. And Mohinder is just, picture the most terrified person you could actually possibly imagine. And he's really close to that. And Siler is just so smirk city. He's just like, don't worry. And he does this little sing song thing in his delivery, which is amazingly iconic, where he's like, you might actually do some good before you die. 
And he's like starting with that list, and then he looms over Mohinder, and you're like, "Oh shit, Mohinder's gonna die, dude! <laughs> like he's done." Because I mean, we're clearly in the part of the show where we're killing people off now. It could happen. So, I mean, Simone was a regular cast member. Nothing's gonna stop Mohinder from meeting that same fate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he looms toward him, and then they've got like the dramatic music and everything. But you know. How do we end this scene? But our our favorite backbone in this entire episode, Peter Petrelli shows up at Suresh's apartment. And he walks right in, because everybody does. <laughs> and uh, I just like how Siler didn't even feel the need to lock the door, because fuck it. <laughs> he doesn't, he, he can handle anything that comes in. So Peter walks in, the place is trashed. Um, the chair Siler was bound on is broken and shucked um, on the floor next to the door. Uh, it, it's just chaos. Like, it's dark. Things are broken. This is not a good scene. Peter walks in. He's like, Suresh? Mohinder? And he's like, holy shit, what's going on? And he walks in further. And something drips on his head. And he looks up. And it's blood. Because Siler has Mohinder pinned to the ceiling. Oh, it's on. He's all bloodied, too. He, he he fucked him up a little bit. And so Peter's like, holy shit. And, and Mohinder's like, Siler, like trying to warn him. And Peter turns around and Siler's right there. And he does a stupid deep voice thing that I don't want to talk about. And he says, <laughs> he says he remembers him and he throws Peter against the wall. How much power do you have to have to keep Mohinder pinned? And then, and then Peter, like... Oh, God. He's just so powerful, Rachel. He's so powerful. <laughs> like, holy shit. He can he can absolutely balance all these things at once. He didn't need a clod. He figured it out on his own. <laughs> and so he pins Peter against the wall, and he's just, like, just real curious. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Like, from Texas, right? He doesn't say that. I say that. Um, <laughs> in my head. Because as much as I just squeed over shipping Moinder and Siler... Peter and Siler are the backbone of the show, and you can fight me. I don't care. I'll tell you where to find me. Like, seriously, like, they are everything. Their relationship is so the show. And so he pins him, and he's like, huh, you have, you have an interesting ability. I'd like to see how that works. And he starts doing his thing, because it's what he does to new people. It's how he makes friends. And... um <laughs> He immediately, they have this really long and drawn out thing where he's sawing and Peter's screaming. And it's so dramatic. They they show his little emo bang <laughs> hitting the ground as though it were a death in and of itself. And it kind of is. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, bong. Like, that's the fucking cliffhanger is Peter's emo bang falling on the floor in blood. <laughs> and, uh, that yeah, that's the, to be continued. Those are the boys. <laughs> <laughs> I said I wasn't going to be real fangirly, but my boyfriend actually left that uh, apartment to go visit his mom, so I'm full on right now. <laughs> that explains it, doesn't it? All right. It does. It does. I have a hard time doing it when he's here. <laughs> anyway, do you have any thoughts? Oh, my God. Oh, While I, I, I recover from being live journal the person, like, fucking seriously. <clears throat> you re- we really got the best of both worlds with him this episode, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Oh, man. You like my friendship narrative? <laughs> yes, yes. I did. I did. Um, oh, he just wants a friend. I'm not even being a smartass. Like... <laughs> No, I, I agree. He's so lonely. He just wants understanding. He likes to fool people, too. He, like, he gets off on it. Um, he gets off on every bit of it, yep. It's fun to think about when did it finally all click in for Mohinder. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine it has to be after they found Dale dead and they rushed back to the motel to maybe pack. If they weren't already packed. Mm-hmm. Or if they were packed, they stopped somewhere on the way to wherever they were going. And Mohinder doesn't have a good feeling. And so he Googles Zane Taylor or whatever it would be at the time. I don't know if it was Google at the time. I think it was. Uh, it's still Google. Yeah. yeah. So there was a time before shows where it wasn't Google yet. But yeah, so he Googled Zane Taylor and found the article and was like, oh, that son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> He said he drove all night, too. They went from Montana back to New York. Mm -hmm. That is not a short drive. So, yeah, he's just like, we're going back to New York. We have to. And he's just, like, having to drive the whole time with his father's murderer in the front seat with him. Yeah. Who is no doubt bitching the whole time about the radio because his head hurts. Oh, I hope so. 
I hope that he was just very like passive aggressively like turning it up and stuff too. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. You know it. Honking the horn. <laughs> yeah, right. Just being as loud as humanly possible with him. Oh yeah. Flaming doors. Yeah. Oh goodness. Amazing. And I loved your call out. Like we all started drinking chai afterward. And it's like shut the fuck up. Keisha. We did. <laughs> I. I mean. I unrelated. I actually have some in the cupboard. Like I should have made some for this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Try an ice. If you've never had chai, try to get like an iced chai. It's like delicious. Yeah, it's it's good hot or cold though. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we all we all did. We all started drinking chai. Me, you, and several people I won't name yep. all started drinking chai around this time. Like, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Because <laughs> you know, fandom. Yep. <laughs> rainbow <laughs> yeah so that's the cliffhanger uh mohinder's gonna die and peter's gonna die and that's all there is to it so. rip those guys i guess sorry <laughs> sorry sorry guys or or maybe not because peter can heal and mohinder or Mo- mohinder siler doesn't have that nope so we also got the answer to him saying to eden you know bolts won't hurt me oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's the thing isn't it is it's like okay we're once again picturing a world where normal people try to go up against this guy it doesn't work (laughs) like you can you can do your best but he's literally on another level his fucking dna is on another level yes man so good luck taking him down (laughs) the only the only person who can bring siler down is siler (laughs) pretty much his his own goddamn existential crises he'll go on later (laughs) it's true his identity crisis is the biggest enemy he'll ever face on the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Parasite. A lot of big stuff happens in this episode. Pushing on forward, heading to the season one finale. This is what episode did we say it was? Is this 18, 17? It's 18. It's, it's 18, yeah. Yeah, we're getting close. We're getting toward the end of the season. We sure are. Getting toward the other favorite episode of People's, which is not next week, but the week after. Yeah, and that's the one I was making all the sounds about when she was talking about Hero and Ando in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. I forgot that, uh, again, that it takes them a couple episodes to get to that. Me too. Because, yeah, they get to, in the next episode, dick around a little bit in the future. You know, uh, it's smart storytelling, though, mm-hmm. because it, it's like we were saying how Heroes has just such a huge cast, and it was already kind of like, all right, we've got to get everybody in this episode. Well, now they can kind of, like, shelve some characters in a situation and see them again in, like, a week or two, like... Yeah, it works. It's fine. But they aren't shelved. They get, we get to see them again, at least, so... We do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. I'm very I'm very excited for that dark, dark future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be annoying. Oh. It's my favorite episode. Yeah. It's a lot of people's favorite. A lot of hints toward what we might be seeing as well and some of the things that were said in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh this, this show loves its foreshadowing. And one of the biggest twists ever in that episode. Oh, you thought I screamed when that bullet hit Siler, I thought. You ain't seen nothing. You ain't seen nothing. My couch didn't see nothing. Nope. (laughs) But we won't get into that right now. (laughs) Not just yet, because we have to go into episode 19 next time. That's going to be fun. There's there's some cool stuff in that. We learn about some motivations in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we we get to see more Linderman, because you and I both thought that's when he first came in. Yep. Because yep. he's like the screen cap on all of like the media that you watch Heroes on. It's like Nathan and Wonderman. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, that is the one screen cap down in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I believe that wraps it up for this week. Unless you have anything else to add, we should go to the social media accounts. No, let's talk about them socials. Them socials. All right, sweet. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Eclipse Podcast. Uh, you can also follow our individual accounts. Rachel is that verb there. Verb with a B as in Bennett. And I am at Lady underscore Snark, S-N-A-R-K. You can shoot us an email. We are eclipsedpod at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing with the show or anything you might want us to talk about or cover or any fandom memories that you might have. You can tweet us or email us about that. Um, we also have a Discord channel. Come play with us. Uh, we're gonna leave the link to that in the notes for this episode. Um, still thinking about starting an Instagram. It's gonna happen. (laughs) 
it's like do procrasti- it. Just do it, procrastination. Keisha. The girl. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm probably going to. I have an idea for it. But yeah, stay tuned about that. Uh, if you are listening and liking what we're doing, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or fucking Spotify, anything like that, you should go ahead and give us a give us a five star rating and a like and a subscribe and you know let's let us know let us know how we're doing. We would appreciate it because mm-hmm. we appreciate you. We do. We do. We do. We do appreciate everybody who's following us on this journey. It's going to get real interesting soon because we're almost done with season one. And season one is the cornerstone for most people's heroes' knowledge. And I feel like it gets really good after season one. It gets interesting and weird and comic booky as fuck after season one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited for us to get to talk about that. But, yeah, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Next time on Eclipsed. Linderman gives Nathan a math lesson. Mohinder is up to bat. Claire returns the favor from homecoming. Breakfast time in Midland, Texas. Siler's a really, really, really mean art critic. And Hero learns there's no shortage of yarn in a dystopian future. Tune in.